Welcome to the Adoption Discovery Podcast. Your host, Bridget Bradley, is the founder of AdoptionDiscovery.org, a national nonprofit helping people adopt for zero dollars and in less than nine months for over 15 years. Join us for real support, real help, and real answers to your adoption questions. All right, welcome. Today we're with Dr. Deborah Borchers, and she's a pediatrician in Cincinnati working in a federally qualified healthcare clinic. Um, she was the founding member of what is now the, she was one of the founding members of what is now the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Adoption, Foster Care, and Kinship Care. And she has received awards um, with the, uh, the celebrated Congressional Angel in Adoption in 2005. Welcome, Dr. Borchers. How are you today? Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to dive right in um, and talk about adoption medicine because our audience is really excited to hear um, some different things from you as the expert. So talk to me first about what is adoption medicine because some of them may or may not know. We, we talk about it, but let's get clear on what your definition of adoption medicine would be. Adoption medicine is a focus in pediatrics um, and caring for children that join their family through adoption, foster care, or kinship care. Um, this includes pediatricians. It also includes family practitioners, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, and there are um, also psychologists, therapists, um, social workers, and um, even occupational therapists, speech therapists that specialize in the healthcare issues of children that join their family through adoption. That's fantastic. So how early should people involve an adoption medical specialist in their process? I believe this is something to involve um, someone with some medical knowledge of adoption issues right from the start. Um, when families are approaching adoption, one of the things that they're often asked to do is a special needs checklist. Mm -hmm. A special needs checklist is a checklist that some agencies provide of what special need, medical special needs, emotional developmental special needs, do you envision that you would be able to provide a home for a child with these issues? And an adoption medical professional can help you to go through these different issues, putting out what's involved. For example, what would be involved in adopting a child with cleft lip and palate, with the speech issues, recurrent ear infections, things like that. Um, what would be involved in adopting a child that had cerebral palsy. So just having some knowledge of what's involved so that um, prospective adoptive parents can truly evaluate for themselves if they can provide a good home for a child. So you can go and consult with a medical professional that specializes in adoption about a child that you are potentially thinking about adopting and you may not understand the magnitude of their care or that it may be simple. We, we've had people come to us before um, that wanted to adopt a child with asthma and they didn't really understand, they, neither one of them had asthma, they didn't understand what that meant, how serious it could be or not serious. Um, so they just wanted a medical professional to kind of impart the wisdom of what the care of this child would look like throughout their life. Um, and then we have severe issues where, you know, children are terminally ill, have a major medical issue, maybe on a feeding tube, and they want to understand, of course, what that's going to entail. Um, but I think it's just fantastic that a family can come to you before ever bringing this child home with them and have a logical conversation with an expert about what those needs are. 
Um, and the other time is when a family does receive a referral or if they're looking at information online mm -hmm. about a child who's available, that in consulting the medical professionals to say, you know, what will be involved. Um, when you receive the medical information in the form of a referral that a child has been matched with your family, um, a medical professional is somebody that can go through objectively and look and say, you know, this child is underweight or this child could have some developmental delays. Um, when I adopted my first daughter born in China, I, I can tell you that I, I fell in love with the picture and I didn't see her developmental concerns. I didn't see her emotional concerns. She's, you know, she's now 27 years old and doing great, but there was a lot there right. that as a prospective adoptive parent, you're not going to look objectively because you see the child, you, you see the future with this child. So when should a child be seen by a healthcare professional following their arrival and their placement into a family? I believe that a child should be seen within one to two weeks. Okay. And this is something that um, we, many adoption professionals will do all in one big sitting, a major evaluation. I think some of that depends on what your availability is. If you have an adoption medical specialist because you're in a big town where there is a good clinic, such as the University of Minnesota, um, Seattle, then it's great that you've got somebody that you can you know, pull in all the resources. The right. other option is to, to get the immediate things addressed and then look more at the developmental, the long-term, the, the vision and hearing evaluations through the next couple of months, rather than having to do it all right as the child gets off the plane. Right. So what is included, or what do you think should be included in that initial health exam? In the initial healthcare examination, um, it, it's like any other checkup when a child comes in to see me, a history with as much information as you have. With a child that is joined a family through adoption, that may be um, a little bit, it may be a lot. Um, I've spoken with my children that we view their, my children were born in China, we have no information about their biological family, their family history, even their birth. Mm -hmm. And so their lives are kind of like a jigsaw puzzle with pieces missing. Mm -hmm. um, we try to do the best we can with getting the big picture. So reviewing the history, just like I would with any other child that comes in, doing a head-to-toe physical examination, looking for birthmarks, looking for swelling of the liver or the spleen, looking for tightness of the muscles, the joints, um, viewing the emotional um, issues, the development of the child. Then the other part is the laboratory and any potential x-ray studies, um, assessing the child for tuberculosis exposure, mm -hmm. looking for parasites, stool pathogens, evaluating for anemia, lead toxicity, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, um, HIV, rickets, and other things that would fall in line with the risks. It's, it's very important when a child is first seen for an adoption medical evaluation that the healthcare provider take off their glasses of seeing the child in a middle class, you know, coming in with the bow in her hair and, and the parents and, and try to focus on what did the child come from? You know, right. what are the conditions? I was lucky to be able to see the orphanage of all three of my children and there was, it was dirty and my children had lice and scabies. And by the time my children went in to see the doctor, they were cleaned up and those problems were gone, but we still needed to do a full assessment based on their past. So, so looking for the infectious diseases, but then in the long-term also evaluating for the developmental issues because of a lack of stimulation, especially in institutionalized care or conditions of poverty, and looking for the emotional issues that are resulting from the fact that these children 
are, were traumatized and living in an orphanage setting and living in conditions of poverty. That doesn't, you know, it, it's not, these children are coming from an intact two-parent home where they're read to in the womb. These children right. are coming from a situation where they couldn't be parented for whatever reason. So talk to me about what are some of the long-term concerns with respect to international adoption? I know that we you touched on that a little bit with your children. Tell me what you see. I think that people tend to focus on the infectious disease issues with international adoption, but honestly, those are pretty much, you take care of them and they're gone. Developmental delays are something that we have to focus on. Um, children that come from an orphanage setting are often language delayed. And it's not just learning to learn or getting to know a new language. Children that are three or four are already speaking often, but they don't have the basic tenements of sentence structure. And so often they are language delayed and it's more than just plugging a child into a new language or English as a second language types of services. The other issues are developmental or emotional issues. Um, children have the, the whole sense of my first family didn't want me, my first family couldn't care for me. So how do we help them? How do we promote a healthy attachment so that the child recognizes the adoptive parents and you know doesn't I don't want to replace my child's birth parents, but I also want to be able to parent my children's parents or my children and help them to trust me so that I can be with them through the years. So you say you were able to see your children's orphanage. Tell me some of the things that you picked up on when you were there that made you think, you know, that there's going to be bigger issues here than a communicable disease. One of my children was in an orphanage setting. And when I saw her, she was being fed um, in a row of six children with one spoon going down the row. Um, um, my oldest daughter was um, developmentally delayed, as I mentioned. Um, the first meal that I gave her, she was 19 months old, and she was afraid to put her fingers on the tray to reach for food and put it in her mouth. Wow. Because it was messy for them to allow her to do that. I had to teach her how to feed herself. I, she was 19 months old, was not standing, could not support her weight. She weighed 16 pounds. Mm. I will tell you, she's doing incredibly well now. Um, and it's not just bringing her home to a good home. It's that she had a lot of resilience. Um, but it's also important to be prepared that you're going to be supporting these children through transition and take them home and love them does not mean that everything's going to be normal and perfect. It's not. Right. Like, it's, it, there are bumps along the road. Right. In international adoption, we sometimes see that the child has never left the bed, never left the orphanage, never left the building, um, never been outside, never been in an automobile, definitely never been on an airplane or in a hotel room. So, you know, all of that transition is very disturbing to someone that didn't even know it existed. Um, but then you talk about just what you viewed when you walked in. We hear that from parents quite a bit. And I think it's something that they have to take into account when you go to your pediatrician with your biological child, um, they will talk to you about developmental you know, milestones and are they doing this, are they doing that? And that you don't really have that opportunity over there for that child to be monitored or for anyone to even be paying attention, which um, is just really sad. But I think that it's our job when we adopt these children, I mean, if the, if the hope is that we're giving them a great family and we're supporting them and in all ways, not just physically and health wise, um, but emotionally and developmentally. Um, talk to me a little bit about adoption positive language. Now we have a segment in our university that we talk about 
things not to say, um, things for teens not to say to their friends, or elementary school age children not to say to their friends. But we catch adults more often than not um, making mistakes in the way that they talk about adopted children or to adopted children or to adopted children's parents. So talk to me a little bit about adoption positive language in your world. Well, I, I think it's important for all healthcare providers to recognize that adoption does not define a child. Um, and so I, I try to be very aware that when I see a child with Down syndrome that I don't say the Down syndrome child or a child with seizures, the seizure child, that it's a child with seizures, it's a child with Down syndrome, and my children are children who were adopted. Um, adoption is something that I keep in mind for their history, just like when I evaluate the child with Down syndrome, I look at the Down syndrome and recognize that they're at risk for developmental delay and heart issues, but that doesn't mean that that's all the child is, that the child is much, much more. And as healthcare providers, we have to remind ourselves that it is not an adopted child. I get, um, one of the things that really drives me crazy is when I see an article in the newspaper um, or online and it says, you know, this happened in the adopted child. And it's like, what does that have to do with the fact that this child was an honor student right. or this child was shoplifting? Right. It, nothing to do with that the child you know my child is my child it doesn't adoption doesn't play out in their lives right now day to day i understand so talk to me a little bit about um some educational issues that children who were adopted may face so tell me a little well, bit what you children see. are at risk because of where they came from um you know the orphanages do not provide a lot of stimulation it's not that the people don't care but they're limited in what they can do um, so um, some of the children who come in as older children, um, as I mentioned, you know, may not be speaking English when they come. And so they have to learn English, but they also have to go back and learn basic language. Right. Um, so they may need speech, they may need occupational or physical therapy in a school setting. There's also risk for learning issues um, due to the fact that the child did not have a lot of early stimulation. Um, school assignments can be pretty sensitive too. I remember in high school doing the genetics of can you roll your tongue and blue eyes versus brown eyes. <laughs> and when my children had those assignments in school, um, you know, we didn't have a family tree that we could fill out that way. It, it made it a little bit more challenging. One of the things that I did with um, my first daughter, at least, was I wrote a letter to the kindergarten teacher and said, here's her background. She came at 19 months. She was developmentally delayed. I'd like to know if there are issues so that we address them right away rather than waiting and, um, and work this partnership with the teacher right from the start so that we did address any developmental concerns. One of my children needed speech therapy and you know, we were able to work it out uh, and be on it rather than letting things get too far behind. Right, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, um, we really wanna empower our families to do exactly what you did. I mean, that's really the most important thing um, educating all parties involved. I think when we all, when we know better, we do better. Um, and that, that's really what it's all about. So, you know, we have families that come to us and they say, I just want a child that's healthy. Um, I hear my friends that are actually pregnant saying, I just want my child to be healthy. Um, and they also, you know, we, in the beginning of our groups, we had an exercise where we gave the families a box of crayons and a piece of paper and said, draw the perfect child, draw your dream child. And so um, people were putting things on there like the perfect athlete or 
you know, healthy or blonde hair or whatever. Um, so they all have in their mind, what is the perfect child? What do you say about the perfect child? <laughs> well, there are three of them and they're all mine. So they're gone. <laughs> um, <Love that. laughs> I, I think it's important to recognize that when you give birth, you know the prenatal environment, you know the gene pool somewhat, but a child is not necessarily perfect because they're coming through and you have the genetic expression and that whole interplay of nature versus nurture. When you have a child that joins their family through adoption, there's a lot more variables involved. And some of those we can predict somewhat, some of those we can't. And I think because of the fact that um, parents can look and say, oh, I'm interested in this special need, or I don't think about this. There can be a tendency of, well, that child's not good enough. Right. We really have to focus an adoption on the children. Adoption is not about finding children for those of us that are unable or, you know, to have children or for whatever reason we choose. Adoption is about finding a home for a child. And it's about finding a home that is prepared to meet his or her needs. Right. It's, it's finding prepared parents who say, okay, this is something that I could do well, I'm committed to, we have the resources in my community. Um, for example, for me, I have a two-story house, a child with, that's in a wheelchair, I would not be able to provide a good family for right. because the bedrooms are on the second floor. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't you know, a child with, um, with walking issues would be something I wouldn't love, but I would not be the best parent for that child. Now, if I gave birth to a child and the child ended up that way, we'd figure out we'd move. Right. So when adoptive parents have to go in with eyes wide open, recognizing that because you have some choices doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect and focus on, am I the best family to meet the needs of this child rather than do I want this child? Do I want the apples or the oranges from Kroger's today? It's, right. not, about, or it's not about us choosing right. the kids. It's about the kids being placed in the best home. Right. We talk about whether it is I need a child or a child needs me and looking at that from both sides. But you know what? I think your information today is going to make it so much better for these families that are in the middle or thinking about adopting because they're really getting a wealth of knowledge. We always say you don't know what you don't know. And you have offered a ton of insight today. So I really appreciate you joining us today and offering all of your expert advice. And mm -hmm. I look forward to hopefully getting more information from you in the future for our families because it has been golden. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And one other thing is just yes. making sure that for families that do not have an adoption pediatrician in their community, um, that they are empowered to find resources through the American Academy of Pediatrics, through adoptive families magazines, through other places where they can then take the information into their child's healthcare provider and help to educate their child's healthcare provider to work in partnership with them. Right, and we provide a link on our site with um, a list. Uh, it goes directly to the American um, Academy of Pediatrics. I don't know how updated that list is each year, but um, I think that it's a direct link to a site that has where you can, you know, you can query um, an adoption pediatrician, but we highly recommend it. I think it's really, really important for every adoptive family to seek the advice of an adoption pediatrician. Okay, great. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate You're you. Welcome. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Join us for a life-changing experience. Just go to adoptiondiscovery.org today for more information about how to make your adoption easier. Join like-minded people and learn about new and innovative ways to adopt. 
We look forward to celebrating adoption with you. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And please, share adoption discovery with everyone you know.